I don't know uh, how you came in this morning and what that, what that looked like, what that meant, meant to you, what it felt like. But I believe that many of us come to church on Sunday without having a, a sense of a closeness with Jesus. And certainly many of us feel like at times like there is a closeness. But then there's other times where it doesn't feel that close. I don't know if you've experienced that before. I don't know if you've recognized that in your life. But I, I've got to tell you that, that Jesus has a closeness for you that goes beyond maybe what you've ever experienced. That Jesus has a closeness uh, for you and, and for uh, your relationship with him that, that maybe you've never really come into contact with. Or perhaps you're somebody who's, who's been in the church for a long time, and there was, there was some moments, there was a time, there was a place when it felt close, when it felt real, but that's died out, and that's become different for you. Or maybe it's something that, like, you've, you've never experienced it and maybe you've never really even investigated the man who is Jesus. And maybe you're, you're just in this place where it's like, what does it even mean to follow him? What does it even mean? What, is it, what does it look like? What will it look like when I've truly experienced Jesus in large part? And I think that the, the passage that we're going over today, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11 is going to show us this. It's a really simple story. And it's a story that Luke wants to tell his friend Theophilus about. The writer of this gospel is Luke. And he's writing to a friend named Theophilus. And he's telling him about this man, Jesus, who is God. And what he's communicating to him is he's, he's telling him about his life and what his teaching was and how he operated and so Luke is going to show us, he's going to elucidate what, who Jesus is and what he's like. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 uh, this morning. I don't know how you feel when someone tells you how to do your job. I don't know how you feel when, when uh, somebody steps in who, who doesn't seem like they really know what they're talking about. Who doesn't really seem to know what they're doing? Who doesn't really uh, doesn't really have anything to do with your profession or anything like that? I don't know how you feel when somebody does that, but I know that I feel incredibly annoyed when someone tells me what's up. And there's probably some pride in there because there's been really great godly people who don't do what I do, who have come and had some really great words for me, and so I've been wrong in those situations. But many of us, if we are in a situation where we feel like, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident in what I'm doing. I, I feel pretty good about how, how it's going. And then if somebody were to step into that moment and say, hey, you ought to do it like this, it just, it just feels just weird to even have this experience. It's just like, who are you even talking to? What are you even talking about? And so we're going to be talking about this. 
We've got just a little bit of feedback problems. You're probably experiencing that. We're just going to push through. Uh, we've been moving some speakers around. That's kind of why that's happening. And so our incredible sound guys back there are doing uh, everything they can to make, to make that work. So Luke chapter 5. Just prior to this, Jesus has been preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He's been uh, going from town to town. He says, I must go to other people and tell them about the good news of the kingdom of God. And what is the good news of the kingdom of God? He tells us even earlier in chapter 4, verse 18, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what is this saying? Well, Jesus is saying, like, I have come for this purpose. My kingdom comes to those people who know that they are poor, who, who know that they are captives, who know that they are blind, who know that they are oppressed. And so what Luke is showing us here and what God is showing us here is he's showing us here are the different people that Jesus brings his message to. These are the people that receive his message. These are the people who are helped. And Jesus brings his authority into the situation. Jesus brings his authority, and his authority says, I can bring my kingdom to whomever I choose to bring my kingdom to. And so it says this in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but, a fisherman, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, imagine this for just a second. Jesus has this itinerant preaching uh, ministry, so he's going around from town to town. He's preaching his good news, his gospel, which is the kingdom of God. It's coming to heal the poor, the blind, the, the captive, the oppressed, and so forth. And these and people are starting to come around. People are getting healed. People are experiencing Jesus, and so there's so many of them, and so he comes up to this lake, and they're crowding in on him like there's no stage, there's no speakers, there's no nothing, and so Jesus has a great idea, and he says, okay, I'm going to hop in this boat. It happens to be Simon. He had just healed Simon's uh, mother-in-law the day before or whenever it was, just prior and so he knows this guy, Simon. Hey, dude, can I hop in your boat? He's like, yeah, sure. He's, I'm just sitting here cleaning out my nets. You know, I just got done fishing. And so, sure, hop, hop on the boat. That's fine. So Jesus hops on the boat, and he is beginning to preach. And I don't know what Peter's doing at this point. Simon, uh, it, Simon's name is Simon Peter. That's why I would refer to him as, as Peter, in case you weren't aware of that. And so uh, Simon Peter is sitting there. He's washing his nets. So he's been, he's been fishing. He's washing his nets. And he's sitting there kind of work, working. It's kind of hard work. And so he's kind of doing this. And we don't know whether Peter's listening or not, but that's what he's doing. And so Jesus sits down, as is customary, and teaches the people from the boat. And so his voice is going out, and it's carrying across the water, and people all along the shore are able to hear the message of the good news. And so, verse 4 says, 
And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus gets done preaching and he says, hey, let's go fishing. Now, what you should know is this, is that the best time to catch fish in this particular lake is in the middle of the night. In fact, all night. You'd go out all night, and you'd be fishing all night. And if you're fishing with nets, it is a lot of hard work. It's, it, you can't do it by yourself. You've got to have other people with you. You're throwing out these nets, and you're trying to catch fish, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's long, hard work. And so Peter has been fishing all night. And so what's happening here, Jesus says, Let's go out and catch some fish. Let's do it. And so, verse 5, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Peter answers him back and he says, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like he's, he's, kind of, he's kind of offended. Dude, but he doesn't say dude, he says master. It's a, it's a term of respect, and he's, he's acknowledging the fact that Jesus is, he's a pretty good guy. He's got some special powers. He might even be kind of a superhero. And so here is uh, Peter, and he's like, master, we have toiled all night, and we've taken nothing. We, we didn't get anything. We, we didn't get anything all night in this fishing. And I don't know where you are. I don't know how you feel. I don't know in what place in life you're at right now. But I've read this passage many times, and the passage really speaks to me. And it speaks to me in this way, in that, like, I have tried and tried and tried at times to get to a place where I feel like I am finally successful. I have tried and tried and tried to get this, to this point in my life when I feel like I have finally made it. It might be in my marriage. It might feel like, okay, now we, we're, we're finally there. I, ju I just want to get to that point. I just want to get to that place. It might be in my job, in, in my work, where I, I feel like I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've taken nothing all night. I've tried and I've, and, I've, and I've tried to do this and I've tried to make it on my own and I keep trying and I keep trying and it doesn't seem fulfilling. I've told this story many times of how I used to be in construction, worked for many general contractors, worked for myself for some time. And during that period of time, there was this sense of like I had gotten to a place, some measure of success. As I look back on it now, I think that's ridiculous. But at the point, I thought I was very successful. I was also arrogant. And so that, I came by that honestly. And so I had come to this point where I was like, I have become successful. And yet, what's really going on in my heart, if I'm really honest with you, if I could really tell you the truth about how I feel, what I would have to say is this, is that I still do not experience the kind of success that I thought that I would be experiencing when I got to this place. I've been fishing all night, and I've taken nothing. Have you, anybody ever felt like that before? Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever gotten to this point of like, I thought that the job would get me to a point where I was like, I've finally, finally found success. And do you know what I do when I get to those points? I come to this place of success, and, and, then, I, and then I think, okay, that's not doing it for me anymore, so I'm going to go on to something else. And I move on to 
something else that also becomes an idol in my life. And I don't know what that is for you, but for me, it can take on any number of different things. It can move on to a different area, a different place. Have you fished all night and found that you took nothing, even though you got everything you wanted? Even though you got everything that you ever wanted, it still feels like you got nothing. See, Peter really actually did get nothing. And he's talking to a guy who's a carpenter turned preacher. This guy, Jesus, doesn't seem to figure, he can't figure out what his profession is going to be. Why should Peter even listen to him? He says, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And here's where it kind of gets interesting. So see, the people who don't see them as poor, their selves, as their self, as poor. The people who don't see that themselves as captives or, or blind or oppressed, the people who don't see that, the people that believe that they got it all. And really what's happened is that they got it all here and God has just blessed them with amazing skill. God has blessed them with amazing abilities in life. And so they've gone on from that thing to another to another and they come to this point where if they're in that situation, if they're in this place, that if Jesus were to offer them advice, if Jesus were to give his suggestions, then they would be like, you know, I, I have already made it. I don't need to listen to you because I have success in this area, in this area, in this area. And everything I put my hand to, it just becomes successful. That hasn't been my experience in my life, but some of you have experienced that. Because if you don't sense your poverty, if you don't sense the oppression that you're under, if you don't sense how blind you are, then your answer is going to be different. Your answer is going to be different. See, what's, what's interesting about this is that when Jesus speaks a word to Peter, there, it, it's kind of this, I think there's a pregnant pause right there. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, Jesus says. And Peter says, we toiled all night and we took nothing. And there's this pause. But at your word, I'll do it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's try it. If you have everything that you've ever wanted and you're fulfilled, why would you go back out? If everything's working fine for you, why do you need to listen to Jesus? If everything's just going great, why do you even want him? Some of you came in here and you, and you came here and you're seeking. You may have been in the church all your life, half your life, or none of your life. But you came in here and you're, you're, you're seeking, and there is a sense in your life that you're, that you're like, I still feel like there may be something that I need from Jesus. I, I feel like it. And so we come to church. 
We come to church and we try to get some more morals. Our kids are uh, getting to the age where we got to start teaching them some morality. We want them to have a sense of morality, and that's a good thing. But the question is, is like, how close are you going to get to Jesus? See, there's a, a, a sense in which, okay, I want him in my boat. And that's taking the first step. That might be this idea of calling yourself a Christian. It might be the idea of, like, I, I go to church occasionally. It might be the idea of, like, I have some Christian friends, or I agree with, with Christian morality. It might even be something as ludicrous as saying, I'm a Republican. It, it might be any number of those things that you're saying that on some level, like, Jesus is in my boat. But the question for you this morning is not whether Jesus is in your boat, but is Jesus in authority over what you do in your boat? Does Jesus have authority over the things that you think that you know best about? Like, I've been fishing all of my life, and I know how to do this. Has it ever entered your mind that Jesus, as the creator of the universe, knows better than you? As the creator of the fish, as the one who has created the waters, who separated the waters uh, from the land and so forth, as we saw in Genesis. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus knows more than you do about life? That Jesus knows more than you do about your work? That Jesus knows more than you do about your marriage? That Jesus knows more than you do about your relationships? About what you need about what really needs to happen in this particular situation. But here's the problem. It's like, I get okay with having Jesus in my boat, but I'm not okay sometimes with Jesus saying, hey, let's go fishing, when it's the wrong time of day. And it makes no sense to listen to what Jesus has to say. It makes no sense to listen to him. That's where I get stuck. That's where I get stuck. We get content with having Jesus in the boat, but we don't want to listen to him. We don't want to hear him. We don't want to understand him. And we end up further and further down this road of, of, sensing a, of having a deep sense of unfulfillment. Having a deep sense of something is missing. Having a deep sense of it just does not, it does not work having a deep sense of, I tried to put everything I could into that hole in my life, and it does not fulfill me. It says this, and when they had done this, when they had, uh, but at your word I will let down the nets, when they had let down their nets, they enclosed, enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now think about this. It's a miracle, and Peter, of all people, knows that it is a miracle. 
Peter knows that this is a miracle that just never would happen because the fish are not in this area, or whatever it is that they, the reason why they won't get into the net. Peter knows why. Peter is a professional. He understands this, and he sees it, and he realizes that this is so absolutely and completely miraculous, and it's, and it's beyond measure. It is, it is way beyond. It looks to be this, they've never caught this many fish before. They signal to their friends, come and help us. There's so much. There's so many fish here. There's so much going on here. And they fill both of the boats until they begin to sink. Do you see what's happening here? Is that the blessing that comes to Peter because of his obedience, because he submits to Jesus. He's not content just to have Jesus in the boat. He just almost on a whim says, all right, fine. I'm tired. I haven't slept all night. <coughs> I, I, I don't have anything else to do. And so, okay. And what happens is this, is that Jesus fills the boat to over full so that there's more blessing that goes to other people. See, when Jesus truly comes into your life, and you submit to his rule and to his reign. When you submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, when you say, okay, it's more, it's more than just the fact that I can learn morals from you. It's more than just the reality that these are pretty good people. It's more than just, uh, just attending church occasionally. It's more than, more than just, more than just. It's more than just that. When you submit to Jesus and you say, okay, I'm going to obey you even in the things that do not make sense in my life. I'm going to obey you in areas of my life that I've never obeyed before. I'm going to bring Jesus into my work and into my relationships at my work to the point where now I'm applying the word of God to my emails, to the business transactions that I make, to the relationships that I have with people at work. I'm applying the word of God to everyday life. See, trusting in Jesus is more than just having Jesus in the boat. Trusting in Jesus is saying, I trust you in every area of my life. I trust you in all of these areas. And the results can be amazing. Do you feel like your relationship is suffering with Jesus Christ? I feel like that sometimes. And sometimes it just comes down to this. Is Jesus just in the boat? Or is he the captain of your boat? Where you obey him? See what happens next here. It says in verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, this, this is what's interesting about walking with Jesus. Is that you can start this relationship with Jesus, and your initial understanding of who he is and who you are in relation to him is kind of like, it's kind of like that. It's just a little bit. 
It's just a little bit of understanding. But then as you get to know him a little bit more and you begin to see him work in your life, we think that like, I just need to keep getting better. I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel like I'm not as much of a sinner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel better and better and better. And, and the truth is, I think that there is a, a sense in which we do as we experience the grace of Jesus Christ. But there's also a real sense of this, is that when you see the living God working in your life, when you see the living God in Scripture, there is an immediate sense of death. There's an immediate sense of sinfulness. Look at what he says. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He is so blown away. It is so unreal. Like this guy got into my boat. I listened to what he said, and he commands the sea and all that is in it. And he's immediately brought to a sense of his lack of holiness, a sense of his sinfulness. And he just says, get away from me. I can't. I can't. I can't be around you. I can't. You see it over and over again in Scripture. Genesis 32, verse 30. Jacob has just wrestled with this being, which he then says this in verse 30. He says, for I've seen the face, uh, I've seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And he hadn't really seen the face of God. It was shrouded. But what he knew is this, is that if I've really seen him, and, and what I know about seeing God is this, is that if I see him, I will die. You look at Job chapter 42, verses 5 and 6. Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. There's a sense in which when when you see God and you see him for who he is, like it is, it's craziness. It's just like, I don't stand a chance with him. See, when Jesus is just in the boat and it's just like, you know, I'll take his suggestions. Like I, I might listen to his advice and I may or may not take it. That's not seeing the true and the living God. Look at Isaiah chapter six, verse five. Isaiah has this incredible vision of God. And he says, woe is me for I am lost for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He's, he's destroyed. He's like, I will not live another moment because I've seen him and he's seen me in all of my sinfulness. I've seen him. Have you experienced Jesus? Because when you experience Jesus in his fullness and you see the work that he can do in your life, it doesn't bring you a sense of, I got this handled. I got this worked out. Yeah, I'm a pretty, pretty good Christian. It brings another sense of, I am ruined. I am ruined. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O oh, Lord. What did Peter just say there? Peter just echoed 
the refrain of all of those who have truly seen God and truly understood who he was. See, when you're just dabbling with religion, when you're dabbling with relationship with Jesus, and he's just in the boat and he's not in charge, you're not really seeing him. But when you submit to Jesus, something happens. You're brought to a deep sense of, I don't have what it takes to keep up with this guy. It would be like if someone came into your job and they gave you advice on a particular thing. And they tried, and they tried to tweak something. They tried to, to do something. And you finally just said, what the heck? I'll try it. I'll try anything at this point. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates open, and you become incredibly successful based on just this one bit of advice. Your opinion of this person, your opinion of their abilities in life would immediately change. You might even come to a place of fear, of fearing them. You might even come to a place of just, of just saying, Man, they have better ideas than I do. I don't like having them around because they make me feel not great about myself. That happens, doesn't it? Peter has this same sense, and he says, depart from me. He's, he's immediately brought into a sense of his own sinfulness. Do you have that? Because Jesus isn't coming for the rich. I'm not talking about people that have lots of money. Every single one of us in here is rich in comparison to the rest of the world. But Jesus isn't coming to the people that feel rich as they, they don't need anything. Jesus isn't coming for the people that think that they've got it all together. He's coming to the people that know that they're broken, who know that they're oppressed. It says in verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished, at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, some sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And what's that say? Jesus resolves his fear. He resolves his fear in this way. When he says, you know, I, I don't want you to be afraid because you're going to be so in this thing. Because of the grace that I'm going to bring into your life, because of the way that I'm going to forgive you, because, because of everything that I'm going to be for you, Peter, don't be afraid. He just resolves it with that statement. Don't be afraid. And something else is going to happen in his life. And I think something else happens in our life that when we've experienced Jesus, when it's not just that he's just in the boat, but that he rules over us in those moments. That he is the one who we submit to when he is there and we experience this sense of, I am not worthy. And Jesus says, I know, but you don't have to fear because I am worthy. I am worthy. And when you experience the grace that Jesus brings into your life, when you have this deep sense of sinfulness, then you can experience the deep sense of the grace of Jesus Christ. 
When you see how much you have been forgiven of, then you can experience how incredible it is to be forgiven. If you don't think that you have to be forgiven of that much, you can't experience the true and living Jesus in your life. But if you do, but if you do experience the true and living Jesus in your life, and you see the grace that he's brought into your life, you see the way that he has covered over your sins, what happens as a result is something that's amazing because Jesus says to him, you're going to start telling other people about this. You're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to be catching men. And the language there actually is saying you're going to be catching those who are alive. You're going to go out and you're going to be on mission and you're going to go out and you're going to be somebody who can't stop talking about this message of forgiveness, who can't stop talking about the one who rules and reigns in your life. You can't stop talking about who he is. And so people begin to hear your story. They begin to hear about how sinful you have been, what you've experienced about your life. And what does that express to people? It expresses a humility. When we come to culture and we say, hey, we've got all of our crap together. We don't stink at all. We've got life all figured out. There's nothing compelling about that story. Now, I'm not saying we should come to culture and and sin and do whatever we want. I'm saying this, to an awareness of the fact that standing before God without his grace is a deadly thing. And I have experienced the sense of which I should die for my sin. And yet Jesus has forgiven me. That, my friends, is a compelling message of grace and mercy. That is what Jesus offers to you. And when you receive it, when you receive that, do you know what you have the, the real possibility of? You have the possibility of being evangelistic without even trying. You have the possibility of telling people about Jesus before you even know that you're telling them about him. Because you're not just tell, talking about a story that doesn't mean anything to you. You're talking about a story that is deeply ingrained in your life. You, you're not just talking about the grace of Jesus. You live the grace of Jesus Christ. You live the grace of Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that before? For those of you that have shared your faith, have you told someone a story and you say, it didn't work? <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't buy it. I don't think sometimes people think that they're uh, at a timeshare presentation. They think, I got to sit through this whole thing right now? Because we're, we're presenting it as though it's a presentation. As though I've got my PowerPoint and I've got this verse and I got that verse and I got that verse. But the truth is that when you're sharing Jesus, when you are a fisher of men, when you're somebody who's experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, what comes out of you is gospel. What comes out of you is good news, even when you're not trying. And you get to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people just because of the way that you live. When the gospel is that deeply ingrained, when you've ingrained the gospel into your work, 
and you have to explain why you don't go on business trips with women who are not your wife or with men who are not your husband, when you don't go on business trips and you don't have dinner alone with them, when you have to say, hey, I, 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 I really respect you. I, res- I respect who you are. And as a result, I, uh, I also respect my spouse. And so I can't be alone with you. I can't be in, in this situation. Maybe we don't have to make it that awkward, but we get to live that life, which says, like, I live by a standard which says, I've been forgiven of so much, and so I speak out of, this is who I am, this is what I do. When somebody wrongs us in some situation, it might be even in our marriage, when we're wronged, deeply wronged, and yet we can come to the place of saying, I forgive you. That only happens, true forgiveness can only take place when you have the deepest sense of, if I were to stand before God and see him, I would die without what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And so therefore, this thing in our marriage, it may feel like a big thing right now, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just a small thing in comparison to how I've wronged Jesus and yet he's forgiven me of so much. And so what do I extend to my spouse? I, expe- I extend forgiveness because of how he has forgiven me. I extend grace to people who are hateful, who diminish God's law, who antagonize those of us who would stand for biblical principles in public. We can bring grace to the table because Jesus has brought grace to us. And lastly, verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Jesus brings an incredible blessing. I don't know what the monetary value of all of these fish would have been, but it has to be a lot. It has to be a ton. And they come on shore, and there's all of this blessing just sitting out. And immediately, what I would be thinking about is, I got to get the fish to the market. I got to go sell it. I've got to get. I've got to get this done. I got to get that done. I could start a couple franchises. I could, you know, whatever. As long as Jesus is in my boat and I'm listening to him. Hey, Jesus, where are the fish today? Wait, what time are we going out? All right, let's do this. I'm thinking about business opportunities if Jesus is in my boat. But what they did was they pulled up on shore and just were like, hey, I got to follow that guy. I, I, I got to follow him. They, they leave it all behind. They abandon everything. Now, when I was a, a young man in my uh, early 20s, I, uh, I, I, I don't know how I came across this cassette tape. Uh, that uh, somehow uh, came to me, and uh, I still had a cassette player in my uh, my vehicle at this time, and so I, I had started listening to it, and it was from Stephen Curtis Chapman. And if you're aware of Christian music, he is oftentimes made fun of these days, uh, but uh, but it was very impactful for me because there was a song on there which was called "For the Sake of the Call." I was listening to it with my kids yesterday, and my son Marshall said, you know, Dad, this sounds like a song that would be on The Lion King, you know, and, and I was like, 
I am not going to get that out of my head now. Like this, this has like been an incredible song in my life because I sing it to myself sometimes. And I was just thinking that like, man, there's been these moments in my life where I have come to this place where I, I, I needed something and God like somehow through music just like speaks to me in those moments. He speaks to me as he's communicating the words of scripture because that song is talking about like this story or another very similar story later in scripture. And it says, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. And I would say that that might even not be a great wording for that song because it really should say, we will abandon it all for the one who calls. We'll abandon everything. And the question to you today is not, do you just want Jesus, do you just want Jesus in your boat? Is that all that you want? Or are you willing to submit to him and everything, even in the things that make no sense at all? And at the end of the day, when success comes and everything's going on, here's how you know that you've met the, met the risen Jesus. You have a deep conviction of sin and of his grace as a result of it. And then you're willing to walk away from it all. Not from your marriage. Nope. Not from supporting your family, but you're willing to walk away from whatever it is to follow Jesus. And I just want to ask you, do you just want him in the boat? Do you just want to have a little bit of Jesus? Do you want his advice, his pithy statements, read a proverb here or there? That kind of helps me live life a little bit better. Or is he the wrathful God from Scripture that has every right to banish you to hell eternally? And yet he so graciously goes to the cross. He so graciously goes to the cross. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, how do you get Jesus in your boat? Well, I don't know. Jesus is already in your boat. You're hearing the message right now. You're hearing the truth. And are you just going to see him from a distance? Are you just kind of barely going to listen to him? Or are you going to hear his message of grace? It's for your sake. For your sake. He abandoned everything. He gave up all that he had in glory. He gave up everything to come and to live this life. He gave up everything so that you could live for his sake. He died, he bled out on the cross, and he gave up everything for your sake. Do you just want a little bit of Jesus? Or do you want to grow in knowing who he is and experiencing him? Because I gotta tell you this, dabbling with Jesus 
you might as well not even know him. Dabbling with Jesus is nothing. Living for Jesus, submitting to Jesus is everything. He gave up his life to enable you to do so. You don't get Jesus because you obey him. You get Jesus because he's gracious to you and he decides to lavish his grace on you. And the question is, won't you obey him? Won't you hear him? Won't you listen to him and say, at your word, I'll let down the nets. Have you ever made a decision for Jesus Christ? I, I don't mean... I don't mean like uh, just, you know, I'm going to like Jesus. I want to invite the band forward. Have you ever made a decision? I'm going to talk about decisions here at Outward that much because of, I think there's a lot of people that have said that they made a decision for Christ and that decision was only to get Jesus in the boat and it wasn't really even to listen to him. So we're, when we invite you to know Jesus, we invite you into discipleship. Jesus invites you not to just dabble with him. He invites you to have relationship with him. But, the, but have you made that decision? Or are you just kind of on the fence? There's some of you that are in here that are on the fence. Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, he shows us who God is and what he is like. And what he is like is gracious and merciful and compassionate and abounding in steadfast love. And this is what he has for you. Stop just thinking that he's here to give you advice. He's here to give you life. He gave up his life for you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, there's many of us in this room that don't have what I'm talking about today. Lord, there's many of us in here that, that are not experiencing you in a, a pocket of our life. We've compartmentalized you. We've submitted to you in other areas, but we just haven't submitted to you in some others. Lord, I pray that obedience would follow. And Lord, that you would just rain down blessing. And Lord, that we would leave everything for you. Lord, that we'd experience you as a result. God, I'm deeply praying for that. For these folks sitting right here, right now. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't leave this room without making a decision on some level. Lord, to make a decision to tell someone about the decision that they're making, whatever it is. Lord, I pray that they live in community as a result. Living as a disciple of yours, being a part of your church, sitting under the preaching of the word on a regular basis. God, giving their lives to you, following you, leaving all the fish on the shore, leave the boat that's probably not even paid off yet. Just leave it and walk away and follow you. We ask you for this. It's in your name. We pray. Amen.